Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. And that way is nearly over for this year. We've got just a few weeks left before the USS Enterprising Individuals reports for refit, and we take some holiday R&R. Before then, however, we've got a few more shows before Christmas. This week, Mikan Hanna of the Just Enough Trope podcast is back on the show to discuss some of the latest Trek news. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you know that I've been recapping Voyager episodes in order, starting with the first season. It's been an enlightening experience. <laughs> Mika herself has also started a rewatch of Voyager, and we decided to put our heads together and give our evaluation of Voyager Season 1, similar to our review of Deep Space Nine Season 4 from last year. The first season of Voyager had a lot of heavy lifting to do in regards to introducing a brand new ship and characters, a new setting, and a new network, really. And the quality fluctuates, to be generous, in the early years of the show, culminating perhaps with the release of Threshold in the middle of the second season. You know Threshold, we've talked about it on this show. If you were unsure of Voyager and you hit Threshold and decided that you were done with the show, I guess I couldn't blame you. But one bad episode does not a bad series make. So this week, Mikan Hana and I are sharing our personal thoughts on the first season of Voyager and a little bit of the second and asking ourselves if it's worth crossing the Threshold to the rest of the show. And that's going to take up most of this episode. In fact, this is where I'll leave you and turn you over to the hosts of the Just Enough Trope podcast. Before that, I wanted to remind you that our Star Trek Discovery podcast, Discoverage, will be returning this week with a review of Ask Not, the newest Discovery short trek. So keep an eye on our feed for that. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod to become a member of the crew and gain access to our subscriber content. Also, when shopping on Amazon, please click through our Amazon banner on Enterprising Individuals or use our Amazon product links in the show notes of our episodes. That really helps the show at no cost to you. Don't forget to like and follow us on social media at EISTpod. And join the Just Enough Trope Discord and chat with us about all things pop culture. That's it for me. Next up, Trek News and Voyager Season 1. And with that, let's get underway. Well, here we are in the Just Enough Trope recording studios, which really needs a better, fancier name. Something really um, badass. Uh, something badass. Ooh, um, the Command Center, you know, but something ooh, better than that. Um, something sci-fi sounding. The, like, uh, the source. The epicenter. The epicenter, yeah. These are like uh, geologic terms. The... Um, <laughs> What, like the core. You, I like the Aaron core. Aaron Eckhart. I like. I like. Yeah. Okay. That we're movie is away. horrible. We're moving away. We're getting colder. Ironically. Yeah. Right. You would think we would be getting hotter. You've got like ten forward. This is eleven forward. Somebody's done that before. Oh yeah. So we go twelve forward. There you we go. Just beat him One right better. There. Yeah. Double I saw down. a picture on. Uh, this is like an old picture, but it just surfaced recently on Lavar Burton's Instagram, where he was on okay. a cruise, probably a Star Trek cruise. Probably. And. There was a lounge that he was like, oh, I oh, found a place to hang out. And it's called 10 Forward. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, I'm just assuming. I don't know how the decks work on a Princess Cruise Line, <laughs> which I won't, but it... I won't sing the song this time. But, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the floors has to be 10. And if it's somewhere where it would be good to have a lounge, then that would be 10 Forward. Assuming I guess it's at so. the front of the boat. So it wasn't... Why isn't it 10 aft? 
I don't know. Right? Afton Stern? Yeah, I don't know. Or, or would you, is it a, a big ship? Is it a bow or is that only a small ship? Uh, uh, the bow is, it's just, it's just your hull, right? Oh, it's the front okay. part of your hull. Okay. All right. This I'm thinking of canoeing. So a lifetime of watching Star Trek has not <laughs> educated me nautically. Canoeing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, your canoe has a bow. I thought it had a bow and a stern, right? <laughs> Look there, off the starboard bow. Uh, or am I like someone has dropped their cooler full of sandwiches? Am, am I like totally like <laughs> just mind farting what the the front of the canoe is called? Uh, so there's four no aft. Sorry, aft. Okay, aft. We've got it now. Four and aft. Yes. So yes, and then the bow and the stern. Yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so we've got so four. I mean, four word. Yeah, that, you wouldn't just say ten four. That's like, no, okay, you good wouldn't. buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, your, I think we truck. proved yeah. ourselves horrible, not ready to go out to sea, but hopefully we're <laughs> ready to talk about uh, some Star Trek news. Uh, thanks for joining me on the show again. To, Absolutely. Uh, round up the news in the inimitable Just Enough Trope style. Uh, what's been happening recently on the Just Enough Trope podcast? Well, what hasn't been happening? Um, we just recently talked about uh, some apocalyptic Nick Cage films. Aren't all Nick Cage films apocalyptic? I think a surprisingly <laughs> large amount, yes. I've even like the, the isn't the Weatherman? What's the one where he, oh boy. Don Cheadle, it's like a, is an angel and it's sort of a, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful life type thing. And Taylioni is like his wife. And I think I have. Even that is sort of like, it's like the end of like one, one of his lives, you know, the end of the world as he knows it. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, has he ever been in a film where it's just like, yeah, all right, these sandwiches are great. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he casually does anything. Yeah. Well. Um, so, yeah, we specifically talked about next and knowing. Ah. Uh, so, um, yeah, knowing was not terrible until That's you an get Alex to Price the end. Film. Yes. Yeah. What else has Alex Price? The Crow, done? Dark That's City, right. Gods of Egypt, uh, a lot of films that are kind of out there. But uh, I, you know, I admire that his vision. But I don't know if we're going to see a lot of films from him in the future. Right. It, he's just. I, I, if, I, you read interviews with him, and I think he's become kind of embittered with the whole sort of edifice of Hollywood. Um, but then again, like maybe make your films better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that is a thing. <laughs> There's to this do. balance between like crazy stuff and getting, you know, and uh, and pushing the envelope. And I think yes. like Dark City is a great example of a film that really um, kind of presaged some of the uh, concepts that you would see uh, and would be lauded in later releases. I won't huh. say anything because I want to um, spoil I, that film. At I don't all, think but, I've seen it. But yeah, it's a really so. weird movie. And I saw it um, when it came out, like at a midnight showing. And okay. I was already kind of drowsy. And <laughs> I walked out of there Did having no idea. It? Yeah, I had no idea what was real and what wasn't. And yeah, it was a really wow. weird feeling. Yeah. But, um, you know, hey, if he wants to do a Star Trek film, I say, let him have it. That would be I could see him actually doing a good job with that. Yeah. Imagine Potentially. a Star Trek The Motion Picture with motion where like stuff actually happens <laughs> in it. I think he could really push it. Yes. To the limit. That would be great. Um, we also recently covered the latest Terminator film, Terminator Dark Fate. Mm. And we talked about in preparation for that, we talked about Terminator 3, 4 and 5. <laughs> the good, um, the good ones. Yeah, because because <laughs> we wanted to punish ourselves, uh, and um, you know, 
I think the sixth one, Dark Fate, is actually better than uh, those three that I just mentioned. Well, the thing about looking at the bad ones is that it lets you understand what makes a good film and a bad film in a, in a Terminator film. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And at this point, I think there's more bad than good. Yes. Or maybe it's at 50%. Mm-hmm. So when this new one came out... If you've seen the bad ones, then you know, are they falling into the same traps as the old bad ones? Right. And yeah, I saw the movie and I was pleasantly surprised with it. I was not expecting much and I thought it was okay. Yeah. It's too bad that people didn't seem to agree and I don't think there's going to be another one of these things. Yeah, it is too bad. And yet there's bubblings about maybe them doing a TV series and it's like, guys, Sarah Connor (laughs) Chronicles. Yeah. 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 And it was awesome. Saw that. So yeah, I don't know. What's Summer Glau up to? Exactly. (laughs) Get her out of mothballs and let's do this. <laughs> no kidding. Well, uh, what's what's coming up on the show? At some point, we're going to be talking about His Dark Materials, oh. uh, which is new on HBO. And uh, I actually just very recently finished reading that, like as of a couple of days ago, finished reading that uh, for the first time. So um, I think we'll probably also talk about the book as well as the episodes. Did you ever see the 2007, 2008 movie? I did not. So maybe that's something we could do as well. well I don't you know, know. You don't have to watch that movie. No, okay. <laughs> no, that's... Um, well, okay. Look, I just got done lecturing everybody on The Terminator. So yeah, uh, maybe watch that after you've watched the ostensibly good stuff. Sure. So you can go, oh, that's why it's bad. Right. Okay. Although Sam Elliott as Lee Scoresby, he can't really do better casting than that. No. And, no, you can't. Uh, and it makes me question the casting that they did do well, for the series. Yeah. But... Maybe I need to see it. And they want to get somebody new in there, but that's one of those things where, um, what is it? Elliot was he in the he, the Marvel movies? He played uh, uh, Thunderbolt Ross in the Ang Lee one, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, I think he so. He might have. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Or, or no, here's what I'm thinking of: Judy Dench as M. Right? You got Judy Dench as yes. M with. Uh, Brosnan's Bond. Yes. Then he goes away. You bring Craig in, and even though it makes no sense because it's like a prequel, it's good to casting. You just keep her around. So right, she's right, right. Still. That's what they could have done with Sam Elliott, but yes. alas, they did not. They did not. No. <laughs> well, all that sounds good. Uh, people can find out more about Just Enough Trope on the internet at justenoughtrope.com and on Twitter at, at justenoughtrope. Uh, let's yes. get into a little bit of Trek news, and there isn't a ton. We're still in the sort of holding pattern i wish <laughs> in, in a perfect universe we'd have more star trek forward news because that would be getting closer to getting out but yes uh it's not going to come out because <laughs> it doesn't exist okay it doesn't wow. seem like it's going to anytime soon so yeah n- not to get your hopes up no no news on that front okay uh, but there is some good news in the world of the lives of the trek actors uh anthony rapp just announced recently on his social media that he is engaged to longtime boyfriend ken ithpole i heard about that if the if the fall if the fall I, I have no idea. If I would probably butcher it. <laughs> if you got a lot of vowels in your name, you got to get ready for people to, to stumble over it. But right. It's something like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Very uh, cool. Happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they had been together uh, since 2016. Okay. According yeah. to this somewhat prying article that I, I read. <laughs> By prying, do you feel like it went into their, their lives a little bit too personally? Well, I don't know if they... I guess when you're a famous person, you have to get used to people knowing... About your personal life, but like, yeah, why do they yeah. know exactly? There's a funny, oh man, I can't remember now, but there's a very funny uh, uh, lady on YouTube that does these comedy videos. She's Australian, okay, and I can't remember her name. I don't know how to f- help you find her, but anyway, uh, right. one of her videos is called "Who Measured Taylor Swift." 
because <laughs> it's just like a comedy about like things in her life. And so she's um, on the Internet and she's like, wow, she seems pretty tall. How, how tall is Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift is 5'11 or whatever. She's like, who measured Taylor Swift? And then <laughs> yeah, be- she becomes like obsessed going down a rabbit hole. Like, how tall is Chris Pine? How tall is Anthony Hopkins? And like finding out like, <laughs> how, do, how do they know how tall these people are? <laughs> so anyway, they know that how long these guys have been dating. But anyway, they're getting married. That's very cool. Yes. So that's some good news. Here's some bad news. Uh-oh. Uh, it turns out that Star Trek the Animated Series is leaving Netflix on December 1st, yes. or I guess by December 1st? I think, yeah. December 1st, don't look for right. animated series. Exactly. Um, I read about that, and I, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to why, because it's like the only series of the Star Trek series is, that is leaving. You can still find it on Prime, funnily enough, um, but it doesn't even sound like, and we're doing things to make sure it comes to CBS All Access. There's no news on that front. Whatsoever. Well, every single one of these, I'm sure, is uh, administrated separately, right? Mm, probably. So it's not like one goes, they all go. Mm. Um, even if you did have some kind of package, I don't think the animated series would be included in that package, right? Okay. It's, it's it is kind of a separate of an afterthought. entity. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's just, it's the first, it's the canary. Uh, who's starting to look uh, a bit peaked mm-hmm. uh, as far as the uh, streaming wars go. And yes. this is going to, of course, it'll still be available on Amazon Prime yes. to stream. And it is, of course, on CBS All Access. But as the months and days go forward, uh, we're probably going to see some of these things drop off. Okay. Amazon is tight-lipped about their contracts and what they've got deals for and, and dates and things like that. So we don't know if any of the other shows are set to leave anytime soon, but when you see a um, available until dot dot dot, yeah, don't be too surprised. So it is available on CBS All Access. I didn't realize it that. is. Okay, great. Uh, shows you what I know. So and it's um, not cut off on the top, so you miss the jokes and the alien names and stuff. Did you hear about this? Uh, the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> Disney Plus. For those who don't know, of course, uh, Disney owns Fox now. Disney Plus is streaming. All the Simpsons, I think, or at least most seasons I of the Simpsons, so. like the yeah. first quarter century of the Simpsons, uh, which right. seems like a dream come true. But apparently, I don't know who's running this thing, mm-hmm. but they took the whole idea of, OK, many of these episodes are in the original 4-3 format, not 16-9. And I don't know TV. Like people are going to freak out because they've got black bars on the side of their screens. That's not going to happen, right? No. But to try to cut that off. Ironically, they expanded mm-hmm. it uh, yeah. and, of course, cut out the top and bottom of the frame. And there are jokes that are in there. Yes. And even if there weren't jokes, I don't want to see some. It's like when you go to your parents' house and they don't know how the TV settings work. Right. They don't and have they're watching. Up, right? They're doing that thing where it's squished into the 4-3, but it's supposed to be in widescreen. So everybody is like basketball players and is really tall. <laughs> and you just look at your parents like, how do you live like this? <laughs> How is this your normal? Well, Disney wanted to get around that. They're treating all of us like our parents, and they tried to do this. But uh, yeah, don't don't do that. No, people are gonna know. Uh, your your fans are give nerds. people the option. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. Um, and the article that I read said that. Like, why don't you give us the option? So hopefully, Disney's all about change options. that. Well, for hmm. sure, maybe not so much. <laughs> Uh, did you see Patrick Stewart on Jimmy Kimmel the other night? I did. He was delightful as always. He is always delightful. And I tuned in thinking I was going to get some Star Trek 
uh, tips and some news, yes. some tidbits. Nothing. Did not. <laughs> Wrong. Yes. We found out that he's got a dog. Who's a pit bull. 18 years after the events of Star Trek Nemesis. Which I think we all knew before. Come on, Patty. <laughs> yeah. Stu. Like, what are they going to fire you? Come on. Like, give us something. Well, they should, like, they know he's going to be on Kimmel. They should give him, Actually, like, they didn't necessarily know, did they? I don't know. Who's I'm doing just doing Charlie's thinking. Angels? Yeah, I know. Um, I bet that's Paramount. It might be Paramount. Um, but just give him some tidbit that he can say, you know, like Columbia give... pictures. Okay, all right. Um, it's probably all Viacom anyway. <laughs> yeah, give him some one little thing. Yeah. Um, the name of the ship is blah blah. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, give give us something that we could sink our teeth. The into. dog is a rescue. <laughs> right. Something. Something. But nothing. Uh, I know. Just his charm. Yes. Which, which was great, but, you which know. Which is enough, yes. Yeah. That's how a lot of the former stars of Star Trek are getting around these days. Speaking of former stars of Star Trek, yes. do you want to talk about uh, our experience at GalaxyCon? Sure, last yeah. Weekend? Um, so we went to GalaxyCon in Minneapolis uh, this past weekend, and there were actually quite a few Star Trek stars there. Yeah. Uh, in particular, though, we actually saw Jonathan Frake speak, uh, and we'd never seen him before. So that was a real treat. Um, he is very funny, uh, and I would say he's a professional for sure. Like he was, <laughs> he was joking around with a guy who's supposed to be uh, like emceeing his panel. Yeah. You know, well, he's been talking to crowds for over thirty years. Well, that's true yeah. because, like, I think as you mentioned, like probably some of. The first, if not the first, <laughs> conventions were Star Trek conventions. Well, and, and not to mention his uh, long service on Beyond Belief, but <laughs> which he, did he come always up. did those kind of shows whenever they did the behind the scenes thing, where he's like, "You ever want to see the Enterprise fly through space? Well, come <laughs> check it out." And then he'd like, you know, uh, in ep- episode two twenty two, Shades of Grey, the blah blah blah, and he'd just right. host those things. Um, I don't know if he had any hosting experience prior to his role as Riker, but he clearly seemed to be into that aspect of it. And I'm sure that helped foster his directing, the directing side of his career. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So anyway, he was a cool dude. Yeah, he was really great. Um, Always awesome to see, um, you know, people that you admire and then like them actually being awesome in person. Yeah, they really doubled down on Star Trek. They had him. They had um, William Shatner was there. Yes. Uh, Walter Koenig was there. Mm -hmm. Michelle Nichols was there. Um, and there's probably some other people. George Takei. Oh, yeah, of course, George Takei was there. And yes. there's probably some other people who have been tangentially in Star Wars. Probably. Thing, or excuse me, Star Trek things. Yeah. Um, that were there as well. So that was really neat. Yeah, it was. Um, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Um, I saw afterwards and I'm like, well, you obviously went to GalaxyCon. Somebody came up with like their their dream buddy cop movie duo. And it was Michael Rooker and, and Catherine Tate. So I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think that could be interesting. But uh, who's getting the quips in? That's what I want to know. Yeah. It'd be uh, two times the quips. Right? Like who's the straight man in that couple? Double quipping. <laughs> this fall. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, yeah, that was fun. So, I mean, I don't know. They're mostly, um, I think this is a sort of departure for them because they're mostly operating in the Southeast. Yes. Uh, but just sort of jumped up to the Twin Cities where we're located. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you get a chance to go, uh, I think it's a pretty good con. You should check it out. Yeah, I think so too. Check this out. Yeah. If you can. Okay. If you have the opportunity. Do you know about Sandbox VR? I don't know that I do. Sandbox VR is a 
premium VR attraction where you go into a room. Sure. It's, you know, like a 20 by 20 room. Sure. And there's, it's your VR, but it isn't just you standing in front of your TV or sitting okay. in a chair. It's a full on walking around interactive experience. Okay. There's usually, um, I don't know what they call them in the biz, but I would say I'd call them gooses. I just want to imagine that all VR operators are like carnies. They've got like kayfabe that they, you know, okay. use with each other. So sure. what are the gooses? What are the gooses? <laughs> you know, like fans that blow on you and yeah, um, yeah. A, a apparatus that you wear like a rumble suit. Type sure. Thing. Well, Star Trek has a sandbox VR experience now. Really? Yes. It is based on the world of Star Trek Discovery. Huh, okay. And it's called Star Trek Away Team, or excuse me, Away Mission. Away Mission, okay. Yeah. So you are familiar with the Star Trek Bridge Crew video game. Yes, um, yes, which is also is, VR. Yeah, there's uh, the Star Trek Dark Remnant uh, attraction at Dave & Buster's. Yes. Which is like a video game slash ride situation. Yes. This is a four-person interactive deal, and it's pretty much what it says on the tin. Like, you are part of an away team that goes on an away mission. Okay. Um, the idea is is that uh, you are beaming down from Discovery to an alien planet to check things out, but, I mean, it's a shooter, right? That's kind of what it turns into. Probably, yeah. yeah. It turns into... Uh, like laser tag? Okay, corral, basically. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. And so it's fully interactive. Uh, you have a... Um, they give you a gun, you know, you got a phaser gun and a tricorder, and okay. then you've got that full body thing that I described. Yes. And so, like, when they beam you down... You see, you know, it dematerializes and the thing rumbles, you know, and then okay. the thing blows in your face. You yeah. know, all the gooses, all the gooses are happening. <laughs> and then, yeah, you go on a little mission and then it turns into like a, you know, interactive like fight type thing. That sounds like a lot of fun. I guess my only thing is I would be terrified I would mess it up for everybody because I'm not like a, a really great gamer. <laughs> hey. That's Starfleet. <laughs> we support each other. Right? I'll be the red shirt. I Somebody volunteer. is going to be there. To pull that Jem'Hadar off your back. Okay, great. That's how this works. I mean, at least in a VR situation, I would be able to turn, you know, and walk <laughs> around because yeah. uh, I know how to do that in real life. Yeah. Just not video games. There are a few different, um, there's, it's not super physical. It's always dangerous in VR because you can't see right. your surroundings. Um, but you can see the other players, so you're not going to run into each other. Good. Um, there's firefights where you sort of squat down behind cover. You okay. Can't, there's no interaction with the cover, you know, in the real world, obviously. Okay, But sure. you get an idea of where you are. Okay. And there are some, uh, there's a lot of haptic sort of feedback type things that, that I talked about. There's some interaction, too. Um, if your uh, teammate goes down, um, you actually physically, like, touch them to yeah. sort of, like, revive them. And then oh, they okay, can get cool. up and, and fight again. And then there's the thing where, you know, the count scores or whatever. And, sure, um, like how many guys did you kill? There's like a highlight reel type thing. I was I was watching a video on IGN about it, and part of the experience is once you're done, then they take you in another room. And it's like when you go down the log flume, they take your picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They show you like a little like highlight reel of huh. everybody doing stuff in there. Very cool. Yeah. So where is this at right now? Well, that's kind of the problem. Okay. Uh, there aren't a lot of sandbox VR locations right now. Mm. Um, there is one in L.A., one in San Francisco, and one in Vancouver. So it's mostly okay. West Coast right now. Um, there are ooh, six or six to eight uh, locations that are, are planning to open soon. Okay. So that is uh, something of a drawback there. Uh, also, it is $48 per person. Whew. Well... I guess it's never going to be cheap. For a 25-minute experience, yeah, which is not great, but I've heard, and I don't do escape rooms, but I've heard that that is comparable in price to some escape rooms that you do. Okay, sure. So think of it as like an escape room, just Star Trek and 
VR with lots of gooses. I thought I saw something similar that they have that I think is a VR for Marvel. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that actually, there was, it was at Mall of America for at least a, a brief while. And now I think there's like a Jumanji one coming or something like that. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to, if a Star Trek one comes anywhere near where we are, maybe we'll have to check that out. <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to bring up that starting today and running through the 19th, it is Trans Awareness Week. And then on November 20th, it's Transgender Day of Remembrance. Uh, Transgender Awareness Week is a week where uh, transgender people and their allies uh, take action to uh, increase awareness uh, of the community of transgender people um, through educating the public, sharing their stories and experiences, and uh, advancing advocacy. That's about, great. Uh, these still very present issues of prejudice and discrimination uh, and violence that affect transgender people. Yeah, definitely. If you want to know more, you can find out uh, at glad.org. That's two A's, G-L-A-A-D.org forward slash trans week. And then, of course, uh, the Transgender Day of Remembrance on the 20th is specifically to honor uh, the people who have been victims of violence against transgender people right okay i mean this is really great um i'm always glad to hear about uh stuff like this um you know the more you know i i feel like the the better it is for everybody yeah you know? well, i mean yeah but you can know yes but that doesn't mean that other people, people don't know. know yeah yes, so once true. you know you got to tell other people about it too that's very true yeah, so uh, check out uh, the, the site for that, the GLAD site, uh, if you want to get involved uh, or organize an event. And then also you can organize or attend a vigil on the 20th for the Day of Remembrance. I also wanted to point out that um, the Women at Warp uh, podcast mm -hmm. did an episode about uh, transness in Trek. That's what it's called. Okay. Um, Jara Hodge, a uh, friend of the show, is the host on that show. Yes. And they talk about, they talk about the trans... Like characters that we see in Star okay, Trek. Of course, sure. we haven't had a transgender character in Star Trek yet. Uh, hopefully that's coming soon. Right. Uh, but they talk about how the writers tried to tell stories that right. were trans adjacent. Yes. I, I, I hear what you're saying. If that's a word. Uh, it is now, if it wasn't before. So, yes. I, I think a uh, species that people would probably talk about a lot is the, the trill. Um, mm -hmm. Well. Uh, but they're... They're very complicated in that they can be either gender, but they most likely have been both genders multiple times. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of so gender little, fluid. Right. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, it doesn't map one to one no. on Earth people. No, of course not. Someday. Someday. We'll get there. That would be nice. Together. Maybe have a transgender character on Discovery or uh, one of the other Trek shows Picard. that are coming sure. up. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Holding out hope. Well, let's talk about Star Trek Voyager. Cue that theme. Yes. We can't afford to play the theme. Oh, okay. But it's a beautiful theme <laughs> by Jerry Goldsmith. The show that started in 1995 to fill out a whole new section of the Star Trek universe, yes. specifically a quarter of the Star Trek universe. Right. The Delta Quadrant. It started at the same time as DS9 was on and, of course, TNG was ending and was meant to fill in what they saw as a gap. They mm -hmm. got this Old West cowboy show in DS9. Right. How are we going to get a uh, ship out there that's still cruising the uh, space lanes and getting into Star Trek trouble? And that is Star Trek Voyager. Mm -hmm. And like all Trek shows, Voyager needed a bit of time to find its even keel after leaving Space Dock. 
Yes. Keel is the is the bottom of the boat. I know that much. Okay. That's when you're even, then you're going going straight. Going straight. Yeah. All right. And uh, <laughs> if you add to the fact that the show uh, debuted in January uh, on UPN as essentially a mid-season show uh, with the launch of the network at that time. Sure. So it only had 16 episodes in its initial run. Okay. That's why it was only 16. So it was gotcha. something of a hard start for not only the crew of Voyager, but the show itself. Mm-hmm. And I thought that since uh, I've been doing my uh, Voyager recaps on the Patreon, Yes. And I know that you've been uh, watching um, Voyager from the start yes. as well. Uh, we would talk about the first season of Voyager. Sounds like a good deal to me. Specifically, but also kind of the first season and the beginning of the second season, because sure. a lot of that was the first season. They just ran out of time. Yeah. And also because, <laughs> because second seasons of Trek series are a story in themselves. Mm-hmm. And this is an interesting story, I think, the story of the second season of it's Voyager. complex. Culminating, if you will, with the essential midpoint of the season, the episode Threshold. Oh, my God. Which is, I yeah. think, itself a threshold unto more Voyager. If you want to keep taking the ride... Yes! <laughs> Then the lizard episode is gonna that's gonna let you know where we're going here. Yeah, you must be this tall and to if you can re- handle that. Continue to be this tall. If you are I don't this know. As, as long as a giant salamander, there you go. Then you can come along with us. <laughs> so I thought that we would talk about the first season of Voyager today. What was your uh, experience with Voyager before you started really digging into it? Um, I didn't really know a whole lot about Voyager. I knew it existed. Um Basically, uh, my Trek experience was I grew up watching Next Generation with my family. Um, We were really into that. For whatever reason, that did not then spill over into Deep Space Nine or Voyager. So, um, you know, I watched all of Deep Space Nine as an adult, and that's where I was kind of starting with Voyager as well. The main thing that I knew about Voyager was Captain Janeway. Like, I was aware of Janeway. I was aware of how big of a deal it was, of, like, how popular she was as a character. Um, I actually had a really good friend in high school who was into Voyager, so it kind of makes it even weirder that, like, I didn't experience it for some reason. Yeah, she fell off on the proselytizing. I guess so, but she was a huge Janeway fan. (laughs) Like, loved her, you know? And I don't know why, like, we never watched it, come to think of it. It's really kind of strange. Um, watched a lot of anime. You're too busy and, watching anime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Takarazuka Review, which is the all-female um, theater pr- productions in Japan. Oh. So uh, she was super into that, too. So. Do the Japanese like Star Trek? I mean, other than, like, um, everybody likes Star Trek. That is a really good question. Um, It's never come up, but I'm sure that people like Star Trek. I uh, also was somewhat unfamiliar Um. Mostly because, and I was reading an article about somebody who was talking about their experiences uh, watching the show when they were a kid. Sure, yeah. Because <laughs> they're younger than I am. <laughs> and how they just weren't, uh, they just weren't like aware enough to really hold on to it. Then once it had left air, they were yeah. older and then they were seeking out TOS, you know, oh, I've heard about sure. this uh uh, t- DS9, of course, TNG is all, always uh, all over everywhere. Yeah. And so I think Voyager sort of fell through the crack for them. Uh, it did for me as well because it reached, for me, a point where I was not really, I was kind of like getting near the end of college and mm-hmm. I was just really busy with stuff. Sure. And 
I don't know. And maybe I did see an episode or two that made me go, well, this isn't, I don't know if this is what I necessarily want. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you, you still had to be at home to watch something back then. That's true. And if you weren't at home to see it, then you didn't see it. So Right. And I think that, so, okay, so that's however old I am, however old that person is. That, that covers a, a span, right? It does. I think for a lot of people, it is sort of a gap in their knowledge or at least their yes. love for Trek shows. Now, there are some people who that is, and I've talked to them on this show, literally what they grew up with. Like right. the first time they That's saw somebody show. shoot a phaser, it was Tuvok or, or something like that. Yes. Yeah. So it's not true in all cases. But yeah, I've met a lot of people who are like, I, it just kind of fell off. Mm-hmm. And now I'm catching up because, as you know, Voyager is the most streamed uh, Star Trek show on streaming networks. Yeah, which I honestly find a little surprising uh, in some ways because, I don't know, like Deep Space Nine, like, love that show, love that series. And I feel like I feel like I kind of got into that one a little bit quicker than Voyager, too. So it makes me a little surprised that Voyager is the most uh, streamed. But I don't know what the availability of... VHS, DVD, sure. whatever it was. People that like DS9 own DS9. Oh, I you know see what, I mean? what you're I saying. I think they got it. Yeah. Okay. And so Voyager is maybe they don't have it and they want to give it a shot and they end up watching it on streaming services. Okay. On Netflix. Sure. Yep. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where that comes from. Okay. That's what I think. I don't know. I mean, that makes sense to me. I don't have the numbers. <laughs> Uh, as you have gotten into uh, Voyager and you've seen yes. pretty much the first two seasons? um, I, All of season one and probably like midway through season two. Okay. So, yeah. Um, What were your uh, what were your impressions? Like what were your likes, dislikes? What did you like about the show? Um, Well, I have to say Janeway is my favorite character and maybe that's kind of uh, cliched. But um, I, I thought about it for a really long time and I was like, I have to go with Janeway. Um, She's just like, I think they were like, what do we do for a Star Trek captain? What do we do that we haven't done? How can we do that? How how can we do that in like a different way? Um, And like, not only is she like a strong leader, um, but she also just is stays stays very steadfast to um, the Federation into her beliefs like probably even more so that they're out like in the delta quadrant where like some of the federation stuff maybe just doesn't matter it's like we have to be true to who we are we have to uh, you know uphold our ideals because if we don't nobody else is going to they are uh, an embassy like the way that an embassy right in a foreign nation is basically a, a piece of that country's territory you yes know? the french embassy is france Voyager is the Federation. Yes, exactly. Um, and I also love, like, she never gives up hope. Um, she's always trying to find ways to get home, which, I mean... <laughs> is, she, is that what all those detours are for? Uh, yeah, well, or trying to find new ways to, like, approaching things or a situation. Oh, look, a nebula. <laughs> How was that nebula going to get us home, Captain? I know, but I just feel like she's a really positive leader and um even when they go through some like really difficult and kind of horrible situations um and i guess um what else i like is uh i i kind of liked that they had to combine these two crews um i thought that was like that's something different you know the maquis and the um 
the Federation, the 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 Star Trek people who had gone to Starfleet Academy. Um and also like Tom Paris is there and like he, <laughs> you know, he would not have been there if it wasn't for Janeway. And like she could have decided, I'm gonna lock this guy in the brig for the rest of the time. But she's like, no, he's a vital part of the crew. And like he like proves himself to be, you know, worthy or like trustworthy <laughs> yeah, or why, what have you. Why is he there? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't they just head out to the Badlands and just kind of get into trouble and find the ship anyway? Like yes. what did he do again? That well, fair. Anyway, but apparently he's a pretty good he pilot. Is. I guess he's a pretty good pilot. Yeah, yeah. I really like at least at the, at the beginning and I'm pretty sure this continues, but you know, on Star Trek science is um negotiable. Mm-hmm. Uh I like that there's an initial focus on scientific stories. Yeah. Um, the very first thing that happens after Caretaker is they run into like a black hole, basically a singularity. Mm-hmm. And it's not perfect, but they're dealing with a lot of the truth and reality is stranger than fiction um, effects of, of black holes and having to deal with that sort of thing. I like that um, they're working with like uh, ideas of causality, you know, when they do their time yes. travel. The third episode is a time travel episode, and they're not going back to like the roaring 20s. It's just like on this one planet. That's true. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, do supposedly like terrorists blew up the planet. Like, are we the terrorists? Do we need to blow up the planet to leave? Are we trying to stop the terrorists? Like, what, right. what do we do? How does that affect what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the cloud was really interesting. Um, that's where they find out that the nebula or whatever is like a living organism. Right. Because uh, Janeway wants coffee, <laughs> she almost ends up killing, I know. killing a, it's all uh, in an the innocent cause creature. Of coffee, yeah, yeah. Um, but that kind of leads me to like one of the detractions for me of the uh, at least the first season is that a lot of these feel like TOS or TNG episodes. Mm. I mean, like in TOS, like the immunity syndrome, they literally do this. They like fly into a, something that's as big as a nebula, but it's just like a single cell organ organism or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, right. So it feels like a repeat. Or, yeah, kind of. Or, you know, Balana gets split into two people. Or, That's you know, one of my least favorite episodes. We've seen that yeah. you know, before. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of things. And again, it's the first season. They're just kind of right. throwing things at the Voyager wall and, see, and seeing what sticks. But mm-hmm. I like the fact that considering, you know, knowing where the show goes, it gets really crazy later on. And so they're trying to do this kind of grounded... Uh, storytelling uh, right. at the beginning for Star Trek at least yeah like trying to get us to figure out like what this crew is all about that sort of thing yeah but then I guess we're just gonna cram all of our likes and dislikes together okay well, uh, I think the characters it. are kind of remain sketches you know for the first season at least they are yeah. really just operating off of their pages in the in the Bible like they're just Tom Paris is a brass brass jerk off who's gonna right. say and do this mm-hmm. and Oh boy, uh, that Neelix, what a pain he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I do think you have uh, a, probably a point the doctor there. and Kess probably get the most growth in the first season. Yeah, surprisingly. I mean, I guess Kess is technically. And she's, she's interesting. She's just hanging around in the corner. I know, but she's like interesting, <laughs> I guess, because she's not even two, but yet, like, what what rate do they grow, these yeah, Okampa? That's a, that's a cool science idea. Like, right. the Okampa live to eight or nine or whatever. And so, right. not, it doesn't happen often, but some people are like, so do you. Don't you, aren't you mad that you're only going to live eight or nine years? She's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's how, long, that's how long we live. Right. Although it is weird that they experience time at the same rate that we do i mean i guess that would seem kind of short wouldn't it uh, yeah, aren't you a little mad about so, that right 
Yeah. But apparently it's fine. That's just the way it is. Right. And like interspecies romance, like you've got Kess, who's like this, you know, immediately Tom Paris is like, like the wolf cartoon. And right. But yet she's with this goofy guy, Neelix. And there's never any question about, oh, well, I got to go with sexy Tom Paris. Like she's just, she's no. in love with Neelix. Exactly. He's and goofy it's, looking. It's, I know. Him. He looks like a fish man. He's a, he's a goofy fish man. Yeah, with a mullet. Love that goofy fish man. <laughs> Be together forever. Yeah. Uh, or not. Uh, but he's always jealous, so it just makes it yeah, worse. That's, hey, jealous Neelix is your worst Neelix. Yeah, it's true. And I hope, I don't exactly know, but I hope that that shakes out. Because Me you get a too. couple subplots with that in the first and second season. And yeah. it's like, this is your worst Neelix. It is. Uh, I like some of the weird ideas in the show. Um, I think the phage is a really cool idea. Yes. Um, that they do one or two other things with it, but it's just kind of just this early um, early episodes. It's, it's I don't know where early... you go with it, I guess. but Yeah. But it, it, that's it's just like the problem with Voyager is like, wow, that was really cool. See you later. And they just have to keep going. Like you'll never after a while. Like, it's halfway through the second season that they actually, like, we got to deal with this Kazon problem. This is a problem. Yes. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, all the Kazon you pissed off are 5,000 light years behind you. Like, yeah, how wide true. is their civilization? They've, the water doesn't work on their ship. What I kind know. of empire could they have? I, right. I know. And it, it turns out it's a really broken empire that's really fractured. Um, but I mean, like they can't. Voyager's faster than they are and has better technology. Yes. And so I know that they've got like there's Kazon gangs. And apparently, right. <laughs> apparently, uh, you know, get a bunch of like white Yale writers and stick them in the middle of L.A. And they're like, I got this idea for gangs. <laughs> right. Space gangs. I know. All right, guys. <laughs> But yeah, so apparently like they've pissed off all these gangs, but it's like if the gangs are on 10 speeds and you're in a Ferrari, ain't going to be no problem with the gangs. Right. You're going to yeah. hit that, well, that that's true. bell, that bicycle bell is going to be Doppler shifting behind you as you go <laughs> angrily. Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> Big heads going back and forth. But uh, yeah, the phage is cool. Uh, you know, they're stealing people's organs. Uh, there's yeah. there's that episode where uh, Harry gets... Uh, they find like a bunch of dead people yes. and Harry gets sucked into like another dimension where yes. people die, but they come to our dimension. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Whoa. I know. And it's like, they believe in an afterlife. And then like, there's one guy in the infirmary who's like super nervous because like, he's not, he's sick. He's dying, but he's not dead yet. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's a great episode, but it, <laughs> Harry just basically talks the guy out. First of all, prime directive, dude. But Harry right? like talks the guy out of going through this thing, and the guy's like, "I have some friends in the mountains. I could go live with them." Yeah. Well, why didn't you do that before? I know. What an easy solution. Uh, but I. But at the same time, I'm gonna lie to my family and let them believe that I'm gone to the afterlife. Right. Why not find a way to bring him back to Voyager and then just drop him off on it? This is a bad idea too. <laughs> well, but it, it why seems not better. Show- <laughs> Yeah, why not show Jerry Harden and his whole effed up planet that this this is not the emanations are false? Right, exactly. And the lady who's like, they bring the lady over and she's like, "Is this heaven? What's going on?" She freaks out. And they're like, "It's okay, don't worry about it." She's like, "Yeah, yeah," and then like kills herself basically, or she like does this dangerous. They they use a dangerous like technique on her to try to get. Uh, a signal or whatever and she dies and they're like oh well she died it's like you killed her Jane I Way. know right and they're like Forget well it's what she would have wanted and it's like what because <laughs> that's what she wanted anyway I know 
but it's like super depressing. Like you just like, eh, well, keep whatever. her around to do dangerous tasks around the ship. Right. You need somebody to clear, clean out the plasma coils. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not afraid of death. I will do anything. Try Neelix's new dish. Yes. <laughs> uh, I like what you said before about the prime directive being um, paramount. Yes. So to speak. Mm-hmm. Or is it tantamount? Tantamount is the top, isn't it? Paramount is second to the top. I don't know. Uh, I think so. <laughs> uh, yet, they you're going to have to break it. I know, At right? some point. Yeah. Um, prime Factors is a great example of them really struggling with the Prime Directive, uh, where they yes. need a race that could get them halfway home. And they're like, please, please give us the stuff. I know. Like, I don't think that we can give, give more pecan pie. Right. And... You know, some of the people on board aren't too happy with that, including no. Tuvok. Well, and like Tuvok kind of goes around Janeway and she's kind of like, how can I ever trust you again? How can I ever trust you again? <laughs> More coffee? You're back in the books, baby. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, But Tuvok is another like really interesting character, I think. I think yeah. uh, he's probably my second favorite after Janeway. Um. And I, and I just like it because we haven't seen a Vulcan for a while, and the only other real Vulcan that the only other Vulcan that we're really familiar with is Spock. So I, and Sarek. I well, and Sarek too. Um, but uh, you know, I think Tuvok has, you know, he's even tempered and and he's you know very logical. But I I think he's, um, you know, he's a little different too. Like he's um. He's a family man. Like, he's married and has kids. And yet he's not freaking out that he's, like, billions and billions of miles away from them. Well, we'll get there. Okay. Give the show time. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it's he's just got to deal with it. And right. then, I mean, this is kind of beyond our threshold, if you will. Yeah. Um, but in an episode like Meld, yes. where <laughs> and apparently this is something else that Voyager does that I'm going to put in the dislike column. At this point in the franchise, you've got to really start questioning the things that you've come to believe or rely on. Mm. You go, well, how does it work exactly? What if we did? How does warp 10 work? Don't touch it. Don't do that. Right. Threshold. Uh, (laughs) And so apparently like they can just like paralyze or neutralize the part of your brain that controls your emotion. Maybe it's just like your amygdala or something. Okay. Uh, So they do that. And then suddenly it's like Tuvok's like, uh, yeah, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. Why don't you let me out of here? I'll twist a worm tongue's head right off. Don't right? worry about it. Yeah. Get broy. <laughs> broy Tuvok. Let me out of here, dude. Right. I wouldn't take away the doctor's journey because it is an amazing journey. But yeah, I would. Once you can too. make a program that be- basically becomes self-aware, and then you can give it the ability to exist all the time and go anywhere. You yes. just made a person. Like that's Well, yeah. I can't believe right. it's I think it's season 6, maybe season 7, uh where they do author author and they're right. they're looking into like, well, is he alive or not? The guy is walking around. I know, He's right? writing books. Like yeah. this would totally change everything that we know about just humanity and Absolutely. existence and what who's alive and who's not. Right. And the, and the show is self-aware like it mentions data and like I think season 2 yeah, and that great episode about the, the exocomps. I mean, the uh, the robot guys. Yeah, the robot guys. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> didn't, didn't love that one. Well, it was it was okay, but I think it was one of those instances where it feels like we this is well trodden ground. It feels like we've done this before, you know. Um, what? Well, yeah, but the thing is, is um, it doesn't. It, it's actually a pretty good first 
First Amendment. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's actually a pretty good prime directive situation. Yes. But it's a but it is a disaster and it is there's just no answer. If we had just never been here in the first place, the, it never would have been a problem. Right. Why <laughs> the, the the question that Q asks in TNG is why should you get to be out here? And the answer is hopefully we can make things better and we can help right. people. And Voyager hasn't hit that yet. You know, no. a lot of the situations they find themselves in, they leave and it's worse than it ever was. Yeah, that's very true. And yeah, it just reminds me of, and I don't think that Voyager tracks this as well as something like Battlestar Galactica does in that we have a military tradition. You know, you've got a president, you've got yep. a, an admiral and you've got this. And every single episode, the military way is challenged. And if we follow the letter of the law, you know, it's if eye for an eye makes us all blind. Right. And so Adama has to be like, we're not going to do this anymore. You know, and he's going to just let him live or whatever. And right. it just breaks some military law. But we've got to have a different way now. Yes. And this happens in Voyager. But I don't think it tracks. You can't. Uh, maybe there's specific like event episodes I think you can look at. But I'm not 100 percent familiar. But mm. it, as I remember, it doesn't track all that well. You don't see Janeway going from. <laughs> like at the end of the Kazon episode where she, she's like, I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. We're not dealing with the Kazon anymore. <laughs> uh, until some point later where she's like, well, we have to, this is a violation of the Prime Directive, but I got to get you guys home. What do we do? Right. Right. And is it I just think... leaving Seska behind a violation? Probably. Yeah. Just letting her, because sometimes they, somebody does something bad or like somebody like, you know, suitors killing people and they're like, what if we just dropped him off on a planet? It's like, well. You're dropping a guy off on a planet mm-hmm. who's a totally different race. Mm-hmm. Who knows what he... He can build a plasma coil from the ground up. Right. How could that change the society that you've never contacted before? You don't know what it is. Like, your very presence here is disruptive. That's that's absolutely true. Um, And I have to say... Uh, so Seska running around. I know. Um, that, that episode, State of Flux, where we first learned that she's... She's the one who's been giving all this info to the Kazon. <laughs> uh, I actually really enjoy that episode. That's one yeah? Of my, yeah, it's one um, of my favorites of season one because she's such a good bad guy. Like, um, I want them to give her more to do. She'll, I, she'll be back. Okay. Well, and we've seen her back in season two already, but I really would love to just see her come into her own like even more yeah. than she already has. Um, but you just, ooh, you just hate her. When she comes on the screen, you're like, ooh, and you just feel so bad for Chakotay and like. Yeah, but if you, when you think about like the standout Maquis characters, she's one. Yes. But then we lose her. This is very you true. Know, I love Martha Hackett. I don't love Seska necessarily. I don't mm-hmm. think that we ever get, I don't know how long you could have gone with the audience knowing that she's a bad guy. There are those little flashes that you get in season two where crewman ding dong. I can't remember his name, but you get that one guy. Mm -hmm. He's always calling the FaceTiming the Kazons. Oh yeah. Hey, I got some stuff. And they're like, who are you again? Right. Um, I I don't know if you think we would just do that, but if there was some way that you could like keep Seska around and have her sort of mixing things up still, but she's gone. And then it's just, now she's just crazy, crazy baby Kazon lady. Well, I mean, that's true. You you just you kind of write her off yeah. as a character. The show at this point is only giving really cursory nods to its premise. You know, the idea of the Maquis conflicting with the Starfleet crew. Right. Um, them having trouble with the Kazon, uh, the lack of resources the ship is supposed to experience. Like yes. every once in a while, it's 
oh, we're getting low on food, so we got to stop right. off on this planet. We have to do rations. But we did just build eight more shuttles. Right. I know. <laughs> I feel like they're always losing shuttlecraft, oh, yeah. too. Like, where do you get them from? Like, do you do you make the parts um, uh, and then, like, just piece it together? Is that what you do? I guess. You can just replicate parts, right? Like, well, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. If you had a big enough replicator, couldn't you just order a shuttlecraft? Oh, just... Wholesale. Fire engine red. Right. <laughs> well, they don't have that. This no, is not no, this is a short range or exploratory ship. Um well let's talk about favorite episodes. Okay. Uh, if you have um in, in your mind or written down a list yeah. of your top five favorite episodes, I maybe do. we could um sort of throw throw ours at each other. Okay, sure. Um we've already talked about some of them, but I think my f- Favorite episode? No, no, no. We got. Come on, you know how to podcast. We go oh, five go to backwards. one. Five to one. Sorry, my bad. Oh, um, before you start. Yes. What would it have been if we had got Genevieve Bujol instead of <laughs> instead of Kate Mulgrew? I I I don't even. Do you ever see I the film don't on that? No, no. You I, haven't seen I, that? I heard about it. Yeah, you can see it on YouTube. Okay. Well, I'll have to check that out. Um, it's too bad. I mean, she she is a good actress. Like, yeah. I've seen her in some movies, but it was just not. You can tell that if Kate Mulgrew and Kate Mulgrew read for the part before um, Bujold was cast, okay, uh, along with some other people. I think Susie Plaxon, um, Susan Gibney, like a lot of like marquee Trek, you know, female actors had read sure. for the role, uh, but they just went with the movie star and. Yeah, if Kate Mulgrew is what they wanted, then it's like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. Because right away you're like, oh, I get who this character is, like right away. Yeah, there's no doubt. But she's, it would have been a completely different thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, casting really makes or breaks a show. And, um, well, yeah, but it would have been like, I don't know. I guess you still would have, she wouldn't have been on the show without getting like good storylines. But to me, it, she seemed less. Um, forceful, less direct. Mm. And so maybe you would have got something like Discovery where the captain is there, but they're not the center of the show. I see what you're saying. But on first season Voyager, who takes up the reins? <laughs> Neelix? Yeah, you want to no. follow Harry Kim around for a year? No, I do not. <laughs> yeah, so it, we're all blessed to have Kate Mulger at the, I, at the I head of this I think we thing. are. Um, so it was kind of hard. Five. Okay, it was kind of hard for me to to pick because there were a couple episodes that I was like, this is memorable, but I don't know if that means it's good or not. It's your choice. Um, so I actually chose for number five, I chose Caretaker uh, episodes one and two. Okay. Um, I think, uh, you know, the caretaker is kind of an asshole, like just bringing them over. Just playing that banjo. And like going to die soon. I'm just really caring about me. I mean, I know trying to find somebody to replace yourself and you're running out of time. So you're frantic and you're just, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, I I used to work in retail and uh, the holidays were always busy. Wait. We had this, it was a bookstore. We had this lady come in and she just grabbed like some like, like board games that were up at the front. And she was like, okay, I'm, I, I want these. And then she like got up there and she changed her mind like five times. And it was like, 
how can I help you? You know, <laughs> put the banjo down, ma'am. Exactly. So I mean, it just gets it's it's that franticness, you know, <laughs> and like just not thinking about other people, just focusing on yourself. Um, okay, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, mine would be, or my number five would be Time and Again. Okay. Uh, which is that episode where um, they go back in time. They go they to the do planet. The time travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it's a fun little mystery. Um, uh, it's actually a pretty good Paris episode. Like he, yeah, he's there. He's uh, he bonds with the kid, and then it ends up being important later. And um, I mean, it's not a great all time episode, but I thought it was a neat idea of that temporal loop. Um, they serve that pretty well. Um, and the a journalist was the bad guy, <laughs> which you don't usually see. Right. The journalists are like, we're going to get the message out there. It's like, no, no, don't get that message out there. Right. So, like the journalists are Jake Sisko. <laughs> well, no, usually they're good guys. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty good. And uh, Catherine Janeway is, uh, you know, she's hit hits the ground running. Oh, we're in a mall in some different time now. All right, let's get some clothes. Let's get all the things. And she's, <laughs> she's clearly had That's the training true. for this. Yeah, absolutely. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is the phage. Um, or just phage, excuse me. Um, I thought the Vidians were, I mean, just like, again, we're, we're thinking of ourselves here. But, but there, there are an alien species that we haven't run into before because we haven't been in the Delta Quadrant before. Um, and they just up and take Neelix's lungs. And it's like, you're just going to leave him for dead? And, and then they, they capture them and they're like, okay, now that our hands are tied, I guess we'll help you. <laughs> uh, and Kess, just being Kess and selfless, is like, I'll give Neelix one of my lungs. So, you know. Um, yeah. I I, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> she, she can't leave me now. <laughs> it's a right? sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're fine. Don't worry about Tom. <laughs> That was um, my number four, too. Was it? Yes. All right. I like that. Uh, yeah, that Janeway is just pissed. Oh, my God. Like, yes. She's usually like, you know, pretty even handed even, about even everything. Keeled. And yeah. Even keeled. Eh, bring mm. it back. And then she finds out that Neelix's lungs are gone. And she's like, oh, no, no. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Mama Bear is in full effect. And I also like that the phage was there's just more cool stuff like they they live in like an asteroid and they fly into the yeah. asteroid, but there's mirrors or something in there. So they can't see, they see a million voyagers. They have to shoot a thing. And I don't know, it's just like a neat thing. They have the, the, the caves, you know? So it's like, Oh, yes. wait a minute. These caves, they were different before. It's like, Oh no, the Vidians. Yeah. With them. Exactly. Um, my number three is another episode we've already talked about. Uh, prime factors. Ah. Um, I I've seen this episode a couple of times and, uh, you know, the aliens, um, you know, they could have made everything go away. Uh, the the Sicarians, I believe they're called, uh, you know, they could have potentially maybe helped them get home a little bit faster, but they didn't want to share their stuff. And it's I mean, it's kind of like like what you talked about. I mean, maybe they have their own prime directive sort of thing i don't know it just seems like they just don't want to share their toys um but uh they seem super cool and laid back at first and then like they're like super they want their stories give me my stories right and then like they want them to stay like they really 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 want them to stay like become one of us this you know? right yeah we've all had a friend like this <laughs> or this is like 
I don't, is this a good metaphor? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any experience with this, but like, this is like your, when your pot dealer wants you to hang out after selling your pot, right? Yeah. You go over, it's like, we got, okay, we're good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you want to get high? It's like, well, I mean, I came to get pot for my own thing, uh, not right. to play Nintendo with you, but. This, this transaction is over. I don't want like to piss you off so you don't sell to me anymore. So right. you guess exactly. we'll play some Nintendo. Wear the scarf, Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's touchy. He is. Oh, touchy he guy. He really is. Uh, my number three would be caretaker. And okay. uh, we've said a lot about it already. Um, it's probably, I mean, I know that the openings are always two hours. Um, right. You probably could have got it done in an hour. Although there's a lot going on in it. There is. And the, <laughs> the sad thing is that there's a lot going on that we'll never see again. So you set up That's true. the Ocompen, you know, colony or their planet yes. and the caretaker and the array and the Kazons and everything. And then we fly away from there after we blow it up because yep. that's what we do. Yep. Um, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of neat ideas. There's a lot of cool concepts. Um, there's a lot of things that I think you haven't really seen in previous Trek shows. And it lets you know this is going to be a different kind of thing. Yeah. And we're screwing around in uh, New Zealand in the beginning. And then we go to the Badlands. And it's just like, yeah, I guess it's really long. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you got Banjo Guy, who... He can talk. He can speak English. I know that he is guys board games and he's looking for the right one. But right, right. he could have just been, I'm a blobby creature. I need to find some DNA for the right DNA. It's not you. Get out of here. Like, why didn't he just tell them what was going on? Instead, right. he's just like, I got to play the banjo. Leave me alone. I'm playing the banjo. Here's some lemonade. Right. Have some lemonade. <laughs> and some Kentucky Fried Chicken. But don't go in the barn. Right. Do not go in the barn. What's your number two? Um, my number two is another one we've already talked about, State of Flux. Um, I just really enjoyed um, them trying to, you know, figure out who who is the the, the member who is screwing with us. Like, who is, <laughs> like, the, the Maquis person that is and if they lying. Were, <laughs> and if there was any other Maquis people that were set up, it could have been them, but instead right. it's just clearly Seska the I whole know, time. I know. Don't they like tease Carrie or somebody else? They do else? tease Carrie, yeah. Lieutenant Carrie. Well, we don't believe that, though. Uh, but no, we don't. And and it's like, it's from her station. And like, she, the way she like deals with it is like, she like tries to like go out and prove like, oh, I'm innocent because I did this. And like, now you have to believe me. And I hurt myself. And, you know, but then it ends <laughs> up being her anyways. And then yeah. she's just all like, peace off and like <laughs> you know is like i'm gonna go with the case on now yeah. y'all see me later um but um i just really like how like she set up as the bad guy in that episode oh uh, my number two is jetrell nice uh that is you know uh, there's i i think that mm, everybody thinks of neelix as the weird fish man yes and i admit that not all of the neelix centric episodes Work for me 100%. Um, sure. Sometimes like mad crying Neelix is also not your best Neelix. But it's just a, you could see, this is a perfect Trek story. You could see this and it probably has played out in other series. And it's now it's Voyager's turn to do it. Mm. And you get this figure um, played by James Sloyan is really great. Yes. Who, um, he did a bad thing, but he is trying to atone for it. And is yeah. he really the bad guy? And you our heroes who are supposed to be enlightened and able to pity even Hitler, you know, the worst people yeah. um, ultimately do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that it's really great for that. And I like the idea of like him trying to, like, he's going to like, so he atomized all the people in the 
Metreon Cascade or whatever, but yes. but they're also still there, so he can like they're gonna try to beam him back into right. Kohi. I don't know. It's just, it's a long shot. It is. And of course, it doesn't work, but uh, yeah, it was just really uh, it was touching. I thought it was a good uh, good metaphor. Yeah, it was definitely an emotional episode. For yeah, sure. it was a good good script by all involved. Uh, my favorite episode from season one is the Eye of the Needle. Um, hmm. I just thought. Um, it was a really great story. Um, I I like that, um, you know, they're able, like, through this very small wormhole, they're able to contact the Alpha Quadrant and um, they get, uh, you know, the, um, this, this Romulan um, leader of a science vessel. And uh, I think Dr. R. Moore is his name. And... Um, you know, they, they do all these tests back and forth. They're, they think maybe this is the way they can get home. They're super excited about it. They're able to actually bring him over to Voyager, which seems super promising. And we're like in season one, halfway through the season. And then um, they realize, oh, we can't go home, but we can get our stories and, and like let our family know we're doing <laughs> okay, stories. you know. And here's like, a lot of email, right? Exactly. And they they zip drive. give him that information, uh, and then he he leaves. He's like, you know, twenty years from now, when you leave, I will put you know, I will put this out there. And then Tuvok is like, uh, by the way, Captain Janeway, he dies four years before we leave. So Yeah. <laughs> and it's like And you you oh. have to know that Tuvok it, Tuvok does his homework. So you have to know that Tuvok knew that yes. a couple acts ago. Oh yes. And didn't say or do anything. Because the prime directive. Because he's like, We we just gotta you're just gonna hold my breath until this guy's gone. <sighs> that guy totally dies. I know, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, oh my god, it's like it's so bittersweet because it's like, if you could have just told us that, we could have told him to give it to somebody else or something like that. But it would have messed with things too much because he can't know when he's gonna die. Right. That's just too messed up. Yeah. So it's just like, well, it maybe got to people, but we'll have no way of knowing. Yeah. So it's 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 just this huge emotional roller coaster, and it's just like, oh man, it's so depressing. And, and it's this example of Tuvok, you know, do, doing what he's got to do, you know, taking the unpopular road and being the yes. being the conscience uh, for good or for bad. Uh, my number one is Prime Factors, which flips that coin the other way, where Tuvok does what he thinks is right, right. and it's against the captain's wishes, and they're never going to be friends ever again. They're friends next episode. I know. Things don't really track <laughs> in uh, track at this point, uh, but that's okay still. Uh, I just, I really like this episode. I think the Sakarans are, <laughs> I think that they just fell flat. I don't think anybody liked them. They were planned to be a recurring uh, villain. Oh, really? And I think that it would have been fascinating uh, seeing a villain that was, <laughs> it'd be like if a bunch of, uh, you know, if you if you yelled hippie, hippies, at a, <laughs> at a VW bus that went by and then, oh! VW does a bootlegger turn, so it's coming back after you. Yes. Angry. Actually, there's a. Isn't there a Marvel villain? There's Marvel villains who are hippies in a magic space bus that like fight uh, Thor. Oh my god! They're like, eh, we, oh, man, we're gonna get you. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Like okay. they're they're more Federation yeah. than the Federation. But what happens if? I don't know why that they would become the bad guys, but maybe they're just like, they're, we got to get these buzz kills out of the Delta Quadrant. So they start coming after Voyager. <laughs> anyway, I just thought they were a neat idea. Uh, nobody else did, but 
uh, and I love the uh, I love when the it gets flipped back around on the Federation. You know, like they're yeah. high and minded, high minded, lofty uh, values. Um, they don't get to put them on other people like we do every week. It's like, well, what do what, what you got going on? Right, right. And we'll just kind of ignore the uh, prime directive when it is in our benefit. You know, I mean, like. Yeah, okay, we'll give you our stories, but, like, give me your technology, you know? Yep, yep, yep. I always like Prime Directive episodes. Yes, they're good. And Janeway didn't take an arrow to resolve it. No, she did not. So, good way there. Yes. Uh, You said who your favorite character was. It was Janeway. Mine has to be Janeway, too. Yeah. I mean, it's... There's no way around it. It's just, like, how do you choose another character? I thought about it. I thought about it a really long time. And... You know, I, I think Tuvok is a close second, but I, I also really like the Doctor as well. But um, but my favorite has to be Janeway. Yeah, mine too. I want to be more <laughs> more creative, but I don't I don't have anything. It's Janeway. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a least favorite character. Um. Yes, and I don't know. We might have the same thoughts on this one too. But my least favorite is Harry Kim. Um. Oh, you don't like the episode where he's goes he's on Earth and he never left on Voyager? I do not. That <laughs> is probably one of my least favorite episodes of season two. Uh, non sequitur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hate episodes. You can't. You can only stretch it out so long. And uh, TNG, the episode where Riker um, is he's uh in the holodeck he gets mm-hmm. captured blah blah long story short he wakes up they say oh remember when you got hit by the thing well it turns out that you'll pass out every 10 years and forget everything and you have to relearn it and so you're captain of the enterprise now and admiral um ambassador picard is here to do this treaty with the romulans and then slowly but surely Riker realizes none of this is tr- i don't believe right, any of this right let's end this charade right yeah. exactly and that comes at like the end of the third act and you pretty much buy it up to this point. You don't think that they're going to really jump forward in time, but you kind of buy it. Whereas like non sequitur, you just, I don't know. You just know you're you not know invested enough in Harry up. Kim to really care whether he gets back or not, you know, and then every act he has to go, I'm not crazy. It's like, well, I think you're crazy. It just never keeps the and the guy who's gives him coffee is is the linchpin to the whole thing. I know <laughs> yeah, I just exactly. Yeah. Well, but and, that's season two, and, and I just feel like he's he's kind of. A zero and boring, and I, I hate to say that. I mean, just because he's got a competing podcast. Well, I mean, <laughs> yay diversity, but I just think like he could have been written better, and, and I feel like it's also sometimes like his performance. Like I just feel like he, it, it's like kind of lackluster, and I just sometimes I just, or most of the time, I would say I don't believe a whole lot of what he says. I want to like him, but I just, I just don't. That's fair. Yeah. I hope enough happens to change your mind. Yes. I would not say Harry Kim. Okay. Because Who would I, you say? I believe that too. Well, for now, Tom Paris. Okay. Because he's just so grating. <laughs> um, he gets cooler as uh, the show goes on. I'd say anybody in Chase Sandrine. Okay. <laughs> I just don't like that. It's so dumb. The the pub in, in Paris? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And plus the fact that, okay, so Tom Paris got laid in a pub in Paris, I guess. I and guess so. so. He's going to subject everybody. What, what if somebody else wants to do a, a Vegas casino or like, right. oh, you know, an In-N-Out burger or something. Everybody's got to go to Tom's pub every day. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, Where this everyone is, is great. programmed to find Tom super attractive. Yeah. 
Not my favorite. <laughs> well, uh, okay. So we're set up here uh, going forward. So, yes. you know, having seen up to about the middle of second season, mm. uh, anything that you uh, would think is coming uh, in terms of predictions, anything that you would like to see in future seasons of Voyager? Um, I have a sneaking feeling and maybe I've heard this somewhere. So it's possible that I, my subconscious is talking to me here that no one's rank will change during the course of the show. Um, I could be wrong, but I, that's kind of what I'm feeling. Uh, I feel like they will have to save Harry 15 more times. <laughs> uh, I feel like they might actually get in a war with a Kazon. Um, I, I'm another one of my predictions is that Neelix's cooking will improve. <laughs> uh, and you know, the holodeck will malfunction 10 more times. <laughs> But I would love it if Janeway were able to finish her hollow novel yeah, at some right, point. Yeah, right. Um, some more of my wish lists. Uh, I, I kind of, I mean, it's a big part of what they are and what they're doing. But I would kind of like the crew to focus a little less on getting home and kind of enjoy the journey a little bit more. But that's <laughs> kind of like asking Voyager to be something that it's not, you know. Uh, I would like Seska the to really become the big bad and it would be awesome if she became a leader of one of the Kazon sects. I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen because they're very male centric and they don't like talking to women or working with women. They're not like, Oh, you're an equal. So, um, but I think that would spiky enough. Right. But I think that would be cool if that happened. Um, I'd like to see, and I think we'll get this, you know, various relationships develop more, you know, deeper friendships, some rivalries, maybe um, romantic relationships. I think we'll get that. Um, I would also like the doctor to come up with a new name that he likes and he sticks with. Oh, man. We didn't talk about worst episodes. (laughs) Let me throw mine out there. Heroes and demons. I, and that was one of mine that I was like, memorable don't think it's really good it's uh, talk about i i don't mind when the voyager takes a detour i don't like when the show takes a detour yeah it it does it's totally self-contained it's just one of those hey raid the costume department for some furs and some helmets and like i get that it's the kind of fun thing that you can do in uh in the holodeck but it's just it's just grendel and there's just not a lot to it. And I don't no, really like it. no. And, and again, they're saving Harry because he's the one who disappears. <laughs> yeah, they totally are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Harry. Uh, so what are some of your predictions or wishes for, for the show? Uh, a million more holodeck episodes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see the ship really have to deal with a lack of resources. You know, you can't yeah. just have them. Uh, take on six Kazon ships and report that Hull Breach on decks three, four, and five, and then we're just fine at the end of the episode. Like, Very true. It's going to be a lot of Bondo on this thing. Yeah. Um, I like them to really get challenged more and really consciously break the Prime Directive. You know? Yeah. And in a situation similar to Kirk going, well, we'll just give the other side a bunch of guns. Great solution, Kirk. But... <laughs> I guess this is at the height of uh, Cold War uh, mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to really see that happen. Uh, I also want to see Janeway finish her <laughs> follow novel. Right? It keeps coming up and we, we see who's it. Who's in the attic? Right? 
Well, uh, thanks for joining me to talk about Voyager. Um, Having gone through all this, talked about the first season and part of the second, do you think that it's worth crossing the threshold? (laughs) I do. Although, I gotta say, there are some points in the second season where I'm like, I feel like this is worse than season one. Yeah. You know? It doesn't do the thing where, like, TNG, eh, TS9 started strong, but it had a three, started with a three parter. Yeah. So that was meticulously planned. And it had uh, Frank Langella in it. So Mm -hmm. what do you want? Um, Yeah, it didn't do the thing where it dips down and kind of comes back up. And plus, they were burning episodes that were first season episodes. The 37s? Yes. uh, Was supposed to be the finale of the first season. I think I remember hearing that somewhere. How much would that have sucked? <laughs> I that's another episode. I just really do not like it. I do not care. I, I want to care, just, but I just don't. It's so there's there's so little action. Like so much there's so much time them just standing around going, "Who are you? Are you Kami Ruskies or whatever? Give me that gun." And nobody cares. We don't and trust you. And then the last act is like Oh, so we figured everything out and we let the 37s are going to hang out here and they found enough technology to make this world like amazing and they're going to have a whole civilization. And then there's like two minutes where they're like, some people are thinking about staying. She's like, oh, I don't know. Right. Um, no, they can't stay. The end. Like, right. That's half of your episode right there. Like yeah. that thing I'm talking about where Janeway has to go out and be like the bad mom and be like, get your ass back on the ship. Right. We're going home. Right. Like, to Amelia Earhart. I know. <laughs> You're a human. Get on this ship. Right? Um, and she just like lets everybody um, make their own decision, which is not bad per se, but she even says, like, we need at least 100 people to man the ship. Yeah. Somebody's We're going to be SOL yeah. if, if we don't have that many people. Yeah. So, but it does really pick up, and there are some great episodes there in are. the middle of the second season. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you didn't cross the threshold, you wouldn't get to meld. <laughs> And Meld is fantastic. Which is a really good episode. It is a really good episode. I would say it's one of my favorite of the second season so far. I'm glad I listened to Thad and Stuart from the Delta Flyer podcast. Yes. Who let me know that it wasn't going to be great in the beginning of the second season, <laughs> but to stick with it. Uh, and if you want to hear recaps and discussion of Voyager episodes, you can check out their podcast at Delta Flyer Podcast at, at Delta Flyer Pod on Twitter. And Mikan Hanna, did you want to tell the listening audience about yes. the new show on the Just Enough Trope Network? Yes, we have a new podcast called Sailor Noob. It is a Sailor Moon podcast in which a super fan, myself, and a noob, Cal, talk about Sailor Moon episode by episode. And we talk about culture, fashion, food, all the details within the episodes themselves. Uh, it's a lot of fun. If you like anime, I, I say check it out. If you like Sailor Moon, definitely check it out. It's kind of space, Star Trek. It is so kind of. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's... there's midnight and moonlight. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of out there. Um, and they have some sort of magical powers. We're not really sure where they They're come They're part from. of the military. <laughs> They're soldiers. You're right. They are. And they're sailors. Yes. Very sailors true. and soldiers. Who's Valid the noob point. now? Okay. I just got schooled, everybody. So check that out. On You can find out more information at justenoughtrope.com or on Twitter at at noob underscore sailor. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks again for having me. 